Welcome back to another episode of Aboutcast. It is your main man back again on the weekly, Jordan. And we're coming back with exactly what you expected. Some more on Tack on Titan goodness. And here I am with my main man, the guy that you've all grown to love and like, Chris. Chris, how's it going, man? Going great, man. A little frustrating to start this uh this Attack on Titan episode, Funimation was not being kind to me for a while, but dude, finally got in and I'm super happy. How are you doing? Dude, I'm good. Good. I, I uh, had the same issue. Um, you know, they're cock blocking for a second or anime blocking, however you want to call it. But um, yeah, once we got in, uh, I think it was well worth the wait with this latest Attack on Titan episode, which was Salt which I believe was Attack on Titan episode number seven. And in total, 66, we have a tons and tons of good action. And without further ado, let's step into it. And so if you're new to this episode or this kind of series, we'll be stepping through the Attack on Titan episode, kind of talking about bits and pieces and overall what's happened. And then at the very end, we'll talk about what we expect to happen next episode. Um, and so without further ado... I think the the thing that we saw was kind of exactly what we saw in the intro or the trailer for last episode. And it was essentially, we have Jaw, the Jaw enter the building and he's just shocked by the, in, the kind of um, grit and animosity that the scouts have. You know what, Chris? I actually noticed that it was actually really crazy to think about just now. Did you notice that there was only scouts there. Like think about a war and knowing that this other country is going to attack Paradis and they only got the scouts to come over. Do you think that's either because they're the most qualified or that nobody really wanted to give them a hand? <laughs> I think it was a little bit of both, dude. Like especially the people on Paradise, the scouts are the most ballsy and also the most qualified to do these sorts of things. I also believe that just their their plans are always so crazy and so unrealistic. And it always seems like they're going to like something has to go wrong for that plan. Um, so I just yeah, I agree with you. Like there there's just absolutely no one who would want to put their life on a line like that except the scouts. It It must. Yeah, it must be that both of those things must be correct. And you must you just have to be kind of like crazy to want to get in on it because it is exactly what, how it started at the beginning of the series. Uh, you know, the scouts are, you have a low life expectancy. It drops really, really low once you join them and it's going to be a really tough and brutal life if you are successful and lucky enough to see a lot of it. So, uh, it, it just seems interesting that, you know, especially with Historia being the ruler of the place that she couldn't like hook him up with anything more, but anything just kind of a one thing that came to mind, but for you, Chris, take a step us through. So at the beginning of the episode, we see that Pike or Guillard is there. He's about to get attacked. And then Pike steps in with their machine gun support. What, what are we seeing kind of give us the broad overview and things that you picked up from, you know, that particular scene in the introduction of this new episode? Yeah, uh, so it kind of picked up right where we left off from the last episode where Levi was coming in hot and about to mess your boy Gilliard up. But as you said, 
uh, Pete kind of stepped in uh, with her, uh, I guess her machine, machine gun, gun unit. Yeah. And just totally messes up a lot of the scouts. Like I thought right at the beginning, I thought that a lot of the scouts were eliminated, um, but obviously that wasn't the case. Uh, something that I did pick up uh, just from what Pike was saying, she knew that those machine guns would be great against the OD- ODM gear. Did you pick that up? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I, I want number one, it's another nod to, you know, Pike's just unreal uh, intelligence and the thinking of what they are worth, like, you know, what they could be used for, especially with like just anti-personnel stuff. And also it was super interesting to see the type of forethought. And maybe, maybe she also didn't know that this fight was going to be here and the way that it was, but still, I think one of the toughest things for the scouts to surmount and even tougher than Zeke in the instance of kind of being super close and in the city, it's a, he obviously is still effective, but not as much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, so we see this scene and it gets worse for the scouts. So, you know, we have the jaw Titan. Um, we also have the, let's say the ODM gear or the scout killer as far as Pike goes with her machine gun unit on her back. And then we see Zeke step in and, Number one, I thought it was like the most casual step in ever <laughs> to the to the point where I thought that there was something suspicious about it. And I messaged you, Chris, about this. And it was during our, um, you know, Funimation being down. But I snuck in and watched the like a, a two minutes of it in Crunchyroll. And I was like, dude, there's no way Zeke like Zeke is acting too casual here. He just like literally strolled in. But mm-hmm. maybe maybe he thought, oh, it's a it's a lock. We have you know, our three most qualified Titans and the Warhammer still out in the field. Granted, she's uh, not in, you know, in operational condition at this moment, but um, maybe he was just thinking, yeah, it's over. And all I want to do is really kill Levi. But it looked like the chips were stacked against them for 100%. You're talking about the scouts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it totally did. And like I was thinking the same thing when he's walking in, like the audacity of this man walking in, acting like he like, well, he kind of does own the place, but at the same time, like he knows who he's facing and he's been messed up by Levi one time. So I feel like he would come in with a little bit more, I guess, defense, like defenses up, but I guess not. Yeah. Or at least some energy, man. Like, you know, the, so there was a point where, Zeke does say, Hey, I want like, you know, Aaron. Yeah. We're going to take out Aaron, but the first, the first person on the list is going to be Levi. And so I totally get that. But it's like, if you knew that you were going to see the homie, the only dude that ever clapped you on the, you know, on the war, on the war field or the battlefield, you would kind of, you know, want to bring your a game and it wouldn't be just like strolling in, like you know giving high fives a little prematurely but <laughs> that's how that's how it just came off to me at least yeah same anyway so we get to this point where i think it's really important actually to talk about this particular part because it is um quite quite important for you know history as far as the things we know about the universe of attack on titan and this episode so Last time we left off, the Warhammer was actually in a crystal 
And that was just a protective measure um, to Aaron. So, and Aaron yanked that sucker out last, the last time. And now at this point, he's seeing it and he's holding it in his hand and he's going to go and bite it. And the Warhammer still has a little bit of juice left and does a crystallization thing and almost takes out Aaron with it and impales his entire body and lifts it up quite high, like building level, actually higher than the building level. And then Aaron tries to bite into it, but being that it is has that like crystal hardening, it is actually, you know, just beats up his mouth and it's impenetrable as far as that goes. And the main reasons that I think it's super important to bring this up now before we mention it again is that means that he's they still haven't gotten through to Annie's barrier because it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and also what it means is that they're going to have to find a creative way to crack that open, which they end up doing now that you guys have seen the episode, of course. But I I just found that like, oh, okay, that tells us more about the, the universe. Mm-hmm. And probably one of the least, like, one of the lamer aspects of this, and maybe it's just because it was like not, about pure action, but we had kind of the Falco Reiner Gabby situation throughout this episode. And one thing that I thought was super weird, I don't know if you picked this up, Chris, but did you realize that Reiner's like protective finger shield rose out of the ground? Almost like, you know, he tightened up to a point where he could like, you know, just bring this out of the ground. Um, which just seemed kind of weird. Like, you know, if you just covered up, then he would still be buried under stuff, but he, uh, made a conscious decision to rise it up so that Falco could get out. Yeah. Uh, it, it was kind of strange. Uh, I feel like Reiner, like he, in the end, I feel like he really did want Falco to get out. And I think that was the main reason mm-hmm. why, but I feel like that is like the sole reason because as you like learn in l- later on, he just has no will to live anymore. Um, but I still feel like he cares so much about Falco that he he wanted him to get out and survive. I don't think he wanted him to come back and like try and save him. I feel like he wanted him just to leave. Yeah, yeah. I probably. I think you know what. Come to think of it, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, being that his last thing was to protect Falco. Um, when Aaron tightened up, of course, Reiner's not going to be able to protect him from, you know, just like battling Titan battles and stuff like that. So that makes total sense. So there is some of Reiner in there for sure. Um, and I think it's also important that I think that Falco feels quite responsible for the condition that Reiner's in, being that he kind of just like pulled him into the basement in the first place to see Aaron. And So that kind of like has some interplay later on. But so we talked about Aaron trying to break into the crystal. We talked about kind of the setup of the, you know, Marley as far as they have the great and impressive tactic of kind of the jaw tighten to, um, you know, kind of like suppress the scouts in their operations to move. And then you also have the jaw Titan to kind of play flex as far as like protecting Zeke and going after Aaron or causing pressure to Aaron. And then obviously Zeke is just there to like tee off and like throw a whole bunch of shit. 
Slinging and, like Randy Johnson again, my man. <laughs> dude, yeah, bro. And but at the same time, like once again, I think Zeke's coming in with this like this unwarranted BDE. This like you know just he just shows up already thinks he's the man. He does this flippant like double, double. Um, did you see him do the like double, the double pitch? Yeah, like, like backhand joints. Yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, son. I mean, granted, maybe it is also the thing where he still knows that, you know, the chances are that there might be people in these buildings. So if he does really wind up, it's going to go through a whole bunch of things. So maybe that's it. And it's like a, you know, specific tactic. But anyway, so they're, so they act like, you know, obviously have some really solid tactic behind them. And I'm sure that they've done this before. So, or at least, you know, trained through it and ran, you know, kind of practice that but the the big thing the game changer is our boy armin shows up and does what he does best and i think the technical term of it and they mentioned it was rumble or um armin does a rumbling and so he essentially like turns into the colossal titan at the port and when that happened chris i'm really curious to hear your perspective on it because i found it like quite interesting as far as the implication of philosophy and things of that nature. But what, like, you know, what about that scene did you like take away? Or was it just kind of like, oh, that's sick. I'm glad that uh, Armin's in the game wrecking stuff. Or did you find that there was like a lot of information in that scene like I did? There was definitely a lot of stuff going on in that, that scene. It was really cool seeing how they did it. It was kind of kind of like what you said, him coming out of the ocean. Nice job on that. Um, he was riding on that little tiny little tiny sailboat. And then you yeah, see him right. reveal his face, and then all of a sudden, giant nuke goes off, basically, and he destroys the entire port. Um, but after that, you see him come out of his colossal titan, and he's looking around, and he sees this. I, I think it's a little boy, and the little boy looks just absolutely terrified. He's crushed by... Um, I would say just a bunch of buildings. Um, and what he says is he says something like, is this like what you saw Berthold? Like just kind mm-hmm. of like talking and thinking to himself. And there's a lot of just deep things with that question. Cause I feel like as we know, Armin's kind of like a softer hearted character. And I feel like he is very, I guess, reluctant to do this i feel like he feels really bad what do you what did you think about that whole scene i i pulled the same things away from it as you did and i also feel like there was actually something that was uh crazily like deep though in there and the reason why is because armin is obviously tactically one of the sharpest and you know the superstars of the scout team as far as tactics go, he's going to have his hand involved in it, especially in such a big scale operation as attacking Marley. So I can't help but think that even though he was remorseful and regretful for doing that, Armin isn't one to be violent, especially in this series. But I 100% believe that it was his decision to do that. Mm. Yeah. So I just I, find I, it I like, agree with that, actually, mm-hmm. now that you say that. And it might have been like that was the only choice that they had. And so that was probably one of the least damaging places to put it. But it's also it just seems funky to, you know, to do that, especially. But maybe maybe they didn't have an option. Right. 
they're just kind of like, if we are going to attack, we need to use you. And, you know, what would be the best use place? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That could possibly be it. But it almost, do you have anything else? Yeah. It almost like thinking back on it, it kind of almost seems like it was a, a distraction in a way, because after that explosion happened, so many other things, like I feel like before that, the scouts were getting absolutely wrecked. And Mm -hmm. after that, that's when I feel like the tide was turned. Um, So we can get into that right now, if you want. Dude, of course, man, take it, take it away. Yeah. So, so after that explosion, um, we see Zeke just get messed up by your boy Levi. And I want to know what you think about this, Jordan, because I was a little bit disappointed about what happened. I was, I was very disappointed. We thought exactly the same thing where, you know, this long awaited thing, um, Zeke is essentially the reason that Levi or that, uh, the commander died and Levi had to like sign off on that and let him die to kill Zeke. And of course, I think that that's exactly appropriately the way that Levi would have done it being that it's like, he's a tactician and I don't think that he really, you know, a kill is a kill for Levi. And I don't think he'd put any sentimental meaning on it. Maybe more so for Zeke, but at the same time, um, you know, before the scenes there, he was literally just kind of hanging back and looking at his watch, waiting for the explosion to happen. And also a few things that I thought of too is, of course, we don't know necessarily that Zeke's dead. And maybe this is me having wishful thinking because he got taken out hella quick. But at the same time, we know that Levi doesn't miss, you know, Levi doesn't just miss like that. That homie kills. So and also we know that there was not enough time for him to kind of transport his consciousness into his body at that time because it was literally the quickest thing ever. It was like mm-hmm. explosion, and then all of a sudden he was done, and then grenaded on after the nape of his neck was slashed. The only weird thing that we didn't see is obviously his body um, steaming and yeah. decomposing, but I think that's as close to a kind of confirmed kill as we could get. What What were your thoughts on that? Were it kind of the same, or did you have anything that you took away differently? Yeah, they were kind of the same. I was just kind of expecting a a huge battle between those two just because of what's happened in the past uh Mm -hmm. but you're totally right in saying like they're under a like a strict time limit and everything has to go as planned so uh a quick a quick killing of zeke makes sense but it was just me being super wishful and wanting that to happen same Um, but yeah I, i i still am not super convinced that zeke is dead um, but maybe I guess we'll see later on if he actually is or not. But yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. about it. Yeah, man. You know, and I totally get why they didn't, wouldn't want to take too much time to talk or like, you know, go through that. But you'd imagine that even like some sort of dialogue would mm-hmm. work. But honestly, if you could put yourself in those, you know, the scout shoes at the time, there would be no there would be no advantage of attacking Zeke head on. So mm-hmm. I totally get why that that would be the tactic. And it's, it's probably more realistic, even though it you know, robs us from a really sick battle scene and yeah. uh, Levi talking some craziness. Uh, but here we are. 
anyway, there's tons of other good stuff that we see from this. And the tides do really just change from here. We obviously have Zeke that just gets taken out by Levi. And then Pike gets torched almost literally as well. And <laughs> and uh, it's Sasha with the sharpshooting that's like, you know, goes for it first, which I found like super, super interesting and cool to see like how multifaceted these scouts are with like sniping like that. Yeah. It makes sense that she's so, so good at sniping. Cause she was from a village that like did a lot of hunting and stuff like that. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. So from the past, past episodes, like she was good with a bow and arrow, for example, um, and things of that nature, but it was super cool to see that like rest in peace to the homie Carlo who got sniped. Uh, but it was super cool to see that too, because after she sniped him, Pike turned and she's like, you're going to pay for that. And then John comes out of nowhere and just smacks uh, Pike in the face with one of those thunder spears. And then the rest of the scouts come and clean her up. That was a cool scene to see. Like John come in and uh, use his ODM to, to kind of like get behind it or get underneath her. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was super cool. Number one, um, don't expect me. Don't expect to just fly into the radar after you just killed it with people's names. Like, <laughs> respect, respect to you for that one for sure. And number two, I thought it was so cool and so coordinated. And one thing that I found super interesting is like they, it was so so precise, mm-hmm. and because you could see that it was like everything was positioned to an unreal degree of accuracy just like looking at the angles so it was like you know the sniping shot john coming in and like shooting the eye and then like sliding through and then while he was sliding through he knew that his guys were on the other side so like flanked pike they like flanked him in two different ways and anticipated her turning too which i found like so sick yeah and then like took it out took her out which i found really cool but anyway so pike um in the last ditch desperation act she like kind of falls down to the road and as john is about to give the final blow he falco runs in there and you know trying to deter any attack going on because you'd have to kill a kid too but there's obviously you know it seems like there's going to be like a change of heart in this but War is war, and he pulls that trigger anyway, and that missile goes flying. And, and well, maybe not unfortunately, you know, t- talking about it unbiasedly, the steam deflects the missile, or it could have been the subconscious just kind of like pulling it differently, knowing that there's a kid in the way. Um, what did you think? Like, if you had to make that judgment call, was it intentional that he missed, or was it the steam that did it? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think it was a little bit of both. Uh, just because from past episodes, John, John's been hesitant to like try and to kill humans in general. Uh, so I think that was kind of in the back of his mind. And also the, the steam seemed like it was super powerful too. So I, I kind of am thinking that it's a little bit of both. What do, that, do you have any other thoughts about that? Well, I was going to say that you're totally, that's a really good thing to pick up he's had a real issue with fighting other people like you said before so it could be that he's you know 
still the same person and he still kind of has the same feelings when it comes to it. So I think that it's totally reasonable to give him the benefit of the doubt on either side. So I'm totally fine with thinking it's a 50-50. But what we what comes out of it is Pike is still alive, but completely out of commission. She's not known for being durable and um, she's not going to be fighting anytime soon. And this gets to the part where I actually did a little bit more research on this. Um, this next scene being that they're now in a blimp. And so Paradis is in a blimp, which, and there's a few things that happen in the scene that convinces me that they're working with other countries or nations. And so I'm really curious, Chris, be my tether, but I'm going to lay down my case and you tell me if I'm being unrealistic and just dreaming or if I if I had some legs to this. Okay. So number one, Paradis doesn't have blimps. So I think that 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 technology, number one, shows. And of course, it's been four years, but I don't think that, you know, like a warring country would have a blimp as a mode of transportation, especially off the fact that there's not a lot of travel outside of the walls, which you would need a blimp for. And they're pretty unfortified. And it's also technology that we've seen Marley use. So, and it seems like they kind of, I mean, they have overlapping, but not always similar tech. Number two, we find a really interesting guy that doesn't have any demographics of what Paradis is about. And it is a guy called Anya Copon. And, you know, just, I don't know if you look this up, but I took the time. And for all you fun factors out there, Anya Kupon is actually a Shanti for the Great One. And then also a fun fact, that's the guy who's driving the blimp. Mm-hmm. And Anya Kupon is actually the god of the sky. Too. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So it's like, it's so it's super sick. They've done that. They've snuck that in again uh, the other time with Helos. But um, mm-hmm. I just found that super interesting. And so those are my things that say, you know, not a familiar name, not a familiar demographic. This guy looks, you know, he doesn't have anything to do as far as the German look that we've seen before. He looks African. The name is Ashanti. So he could be Central African, Congolese, Guyana. Like that's the actual, the foundation of his name. So that's what's given me the inclination that they, they're getting some like light and sneaky outside help yeah uh did you notice that he had uh the, like the marlian soldiers like clothes i guess yeah yeah those like white um yeah i didn't see a band on him though so that's or unless i missed it no he definitely didn't have a band but i was just i just wanted to point that out that he was was wearing marlian soldiers clothes uh but i'm in full agreement with you on him be- not being from Paradis, uh, just because from past episodes, like like they were saying, there were there were uh, rats uh, within the Marlian uh, military and things of that nature, and also just from seeing, I'm bringing up the lady in the kimono again and her bouncing super early from uh, Willie's big uh, theater act, but uh, there, I definitely think that there are people out there who are against Marlian are working with uh, parodies and dude, nice, nice pull on all of the, and what on like what his name means and stuff like that. That's, 
that's really impressive bro you know my i gotta keep my word game up if you're gonna keep yours up so um real recognizes real chris <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway another really interesting fact that we have here is that we know for sure that armin's taking the lead on all this and so he's the commander of the scouts essentially being that we see Hange, which it makes perfect sense that we haven't seen her since because she's probably not doing any battling, missing one eye. And she has an interesting conversation with Armin that tells us, or at least leads me to believe that he's kind of leading the scouts by saying, oh, you're acting like Erwin right now um, with kind of just such a reckless move, uh, flying the blimp directly straight through the pipes. and you know, to pick everybody up. And that's why they obviously put the lights down that we were kind of trying to guess beforehand. But was that, do you think that was a surprise at all? Like I, I kind of makes sense to me at least like, of course, Armin would be the commander of the scouts. Like maybe he doesn't, he doesn't have like, you know, the capability of Erwin, but he makes up for it in just pure strategy and thought. And, um, you know, not wanting to let down his comrades. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Like, I'm not surprised at all that he's the commander because he's absolutely brilliant in, like you said, strategizing and things of that nature. Uh, I also feel like another aspect that we could think about is him feeling like he owes Erwin something because Erwin had Erwin pretty much had to give give up his own life for Armin to survive because mm-hmm. they had that choice between. Armin and Erwin. So I feel like that's just another thing to maybe consider is just him feeling almost in, indebted to to Erwin for 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 basically living. So yeah, what do you think about that? That's a really really good point, man. There's probably I mean knowing how thoughtful Armin is, there's no way that he doesn't think about that or take it heavily and even kind of was um showed showed a little bit of reverence there uh mm-hmm. when he was saying you know hopefully even though this thing is reckless hopefully it's um like Irwin would have done hopefully we have his strength or i have his strength behind you know this action so i absolutely believe that he you know and i'm sure that that's probably that action of him being him being kind of like Irwin giving up his life for Armin probably in a way influences Armin so much more to be like Irwin in a you know unintentionally yeah. so yeah i 100% believe that uh that that will be you know a part of the game or at least was in the 4 years up until this point right mm-hmm. i agree but here we go so we kind of can transition from the blimp to back to the battlefield and obviously things are going crazy and what was three whole titans goes down to one operating one and that is the jaw titan and so he obviously just saw zeke go down and pike go down and now sees this blimp and starts chasing after it and going to take it down but once again, look how calculated this stuff is. And it might just be Mikasa just kind of being a vet as far as like knowing timing and tactics and knowing that this job Titan was going to move. And he's so quick because she did deal with him before. 
and um so she or no sorry i'm miss i'm misstepping here so the jaw titan actually attacks aaron and this is when we know something that's extraordinarily important that the jaw titan can cut through the crystal so this is obviously a big game changer and credit to Aaron too, which I found in this episode more so than any of how you know, how advanced and developed he's been as far as strategy and Titan capability as well. Yeah. Did you? I, yeah. You agree? Yeah, I totally agree. Like he's not the, the reckless Aaron that he used to be for sure. Uh, it's cool to see him like notice things like right off the bat. Like in the moment, I guess I should say, like how he saw, like he mm-hmm. saw Gillard kind of cut through the the crystal. And he's like, "Oh, wow, that's crazy!" Like I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, I don't. I feel like if this was like Aaron from the past, I don't. I don't think he would have seen that or noticed that because he would just be so reckless in everything that he does. Yeah, and even in the fact of that he's here and he's taking out revenge on the people he vowed to. He's super calculated and it seems very calm, like outside of the the things that he was talking about Reiner with. And even then, it's almost like he has this like stoic. There's it's almost like he's removed emotion from everything. It does seem like that. Like you can kind of see it in his face, too. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was kind of picking up was there's no like furrowing of the brow. There's nothing. It's almost like you couldn't, if you didn't see the other scenes and you were just watching his face scene to scene, you wouldn't be able to know or understand like the changing of the tides of battle or if they were winning or losing, none of that at all. It's just, he's like cold, cold and calculated. And I think to his benefit, which is extraordinary that he's changed so much from being so emotional and kind of erratic to now being like eerily stoic in a sense. Yeah. It kind of makes me think about like what he's learned these past four years that has changed him so much. Like, is there things that he's seen from the founding Titans memories that we don't know about that kind of changed his mind or is he just older and wiser? You know, I was, I was literally going to ask you that same thing. Like if you had to put yourself, if I had to ask a very unfair question to you and say, so we know what Aaron was before and we know what he is now. What happened in between that time for that transition to be real and like we see it now, what do you think must have happened? And so you're thinking founding Titan memories has like st- steeled his emotions. Yeah, that was kind of speculation. I, I do. I can like I can say that. Yeah, it could be that. Um, but I was just thinking like maybe he's just he's his eyes have been open to the world and kind of like it i feel like this season has gone back to it several times about just humans are humans and that's it and there's no like you know how like marley thinks paradis is devils and paradis thinks marley's is devils and stuff like that uh i feel like part of it's just the realization that like there's evil people good people everything in between everywhere you go and so just i don't know just thinking about that it's just him realizing those things and just being like okay i'm still gonna (laughs) i'm still gonna like get revenge on these people but type of thing does that kind of make sense yeah yeah so 
it, it kind of takes it brings more information and knowledge to to his understanding of these people so he, he there's not as much emotion driving it as it there is like factual information now mm-hmm. yeah. is what it seems like you're saying yeah what are your thoughts dude that so i think ah, man you know it's really sucks when these questions get asked back to me you're welcome <laughs> so, so i i think it is the fact that I think I think I want to go opposite of you. I think it is he, he maybe it might be hard for me to explain, but I think in this specific scenario, he wants it so bad. He wants to destroy these people as bad, like you know, with every single moral of his fiber. Or f- and so the only way to do that is to stay emotionally grounded. And just go through it like he's the Terminator. And so that's what I think is happening. The fact that's that he's so point. committed to this thing that he won't even let his emotions rob him of the chance of doing it. Yeah, I like that. It's almost a mama, mama mentality-esque. You yeah, wanna... shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, it's already been a year for that too. January 26th, which is oh, just yeah. insane, dude. Mm-hmm. Craziness. but. Anyway, one one thing to kind of to stay on track, one thing that I was curious about that made me um, really think, Chris, so you said that one of the theme, or you implied that one of the themes of this series, or the season specifically, has been that people are just people. We haven't talked about an ongoing theme, but as far as us being seven episodes in, has there been anything else that you've picked up as a reoccurring idea that they've brought to us? outside of people or people or is that just kind of the one that they're only hammering home dang that's a great question i feel like it needs a lot more thinking uh but man hmm. yeah yeah well you asked the question that i asked <laughs> you back so <laughs> i mean I, there's a lot of other i guess the scene with armin would be another example of just maybe we're not doing this correctly or Maybe we're going about this the wrong way, but I feel like that also goes back to like people being people and stuff like that. But yeah, I'd have to give it a lot more thought and uh, yeah. I'll get back to you maybe on the next pod because that, that's a, a lot of pondering for me to do. Yeah. yeah I feel totally. like we don't have a ton of time to do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very fair. Let's, let's keep it moving. But I had to, you know, give you credit for, you know, giving me the, kind of the spark to think of that. And I think that there's a lot to pull from, especially from Falco's journey, uh, Reiner's journey. Um, but we def absolutely will talk about that no more the next time. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so to get back on topic, so essentially we have Aaron who has accurately assessed the situation with the jaw Titan being that that will be the golden ticket for getting that Warhammer out of that nut and or out of the shell. And so we have this really cool like scene where Mikasa comes out of nowhere, cuts this homie's legs off. And the next thing you know, Aaron looks like terrifyingly, like once again, terrifyingly methodical and just like mm-hmm. staring at pot or Gilliard in the jaw Titan form as a tool. And so he literally looks at this thing. Like I'm, and like, you know, with scary intent, 
you are a tool. So he obviously like grabs him, beats him up, rips off his arms, shoves the Warhammer crystal inside his mouth, and then slowly cranks down and breaks his jaw as he has his mouth open, which I found like methodically. Well, you know, I'm going to repeat this again, uh, but I'm not going to make it a drinking game. That'll be the last time. But once, (laughs) you know, I... I saw that scene and you could see, you know, there's in that scene as well. You saw Gilliard just being, you know, terrified and also so reluctant to know that he is being forcibly like, you know, his jaw smashing down on the Warhammer. And also being that once that was completed and Aaron drank that blood, we saw his reaction, like his pupil kind of like pulsated. And one of Marley's, most i think that means so much i think that means so much that even throughout history and who knows what the country's going to be like but immediately that means that aaron has one of the most formidable titan powers inside of him he also just destabilized a country for i think a long time coming being that that family was you know had power not only because they were you know very very wealthy but and involved at the very start of the country being that they kind of like secretly in air quotes helped out Helos defeat the uh the titans but i thought it also happened to do with the kind of the implied power of having the warhammer the most formidable titan i mean maybe outside the colossal one but that was insane man did was it also implicitly heavy for you as well yeah there's a a lot of implications and i feel like you touched on a lot of them it makes me think that like aaron's titan now is so op like where does it go from here because like he has the founding titan which when he's in contact with someone who has uh royal blood he can pretty much control anything that he wants uh i guess i should say anything with titan abilities um and then he also has the attack titan and then now he has the warhammer titan like so now he has like a complete like wrapping of body armor around him. Like where does it go from here, man? Yeah, I don't know. The the one thing that I'm curious about though is like as Ymir didn't necessarily get the Jaw Titans like powers or characteristics. Ooh. I I wonder if that will be an issue that we see with Aaron and the fact that he might have the power, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it took long to master it, or it might be one of those things where the first power you get, that'll mm-hmm. just kind of be it. I mean, who knows, man, but I I think that regardless if he can use the power or not, which I imagine he will, and I hope so, which would be just horrific to imagine him with like a mallet and a crossbow and like, you know, doing his thing. But I think that... It's just like so heavy. It's crazy what that means to the rest mm-hmm. of the series and, you know, the, the to the end of the season. Yeah. Plus, it'd be sick to see him with like a dope little costume change with like some stripes <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine what his Titan's going to look like because, like, I feel like he's one of the coolest looking Titans ever. So mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like it's just going to be tough to top that just just out of curiosity and things like that. Yeah, for sure. And to be honest, man, I don't think that the Titans were like super like, you know, outside of I want to give it to the Warhammer Titan for sure. And the Colossal Titan kind of looks dope. And Reiner's 
you know, I'll give them credit, but the other ones kind of look like progressively lame. Mm-hmm. So Zeke is just like this long armed ape looking <laughs> one. Uh, the jaw Titan looks pretty lame as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I guess Annie didn't look, Annie's didn't look lame, but um, uh, Pike's looks stupid as hell. So <laughs> it's like also, a, almost a 50, 50. Yeah. She also has a really strange voice. Like her Titan. It's kind of scary. Yeah. yeah it's kind of scary. It's really creepy. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's um yeah it's very odd and it might be because of her like non bipedalism and that she like runs around and you know like scurries around like an animal but who knows it'll be really interesting to see but at this point we see that Pike is or you know things are looking bad Aaron's about to clamp down on the Jaw Titan now that he's used him as a tool and thinking, oh, I could have this power later. So essentially, almost everybody who's like started the fight on Marley's side is smoked. Mm-hmm. And then we get like this desperation call. And you know, to be fair, I don't know if this is something that is worth mentioning, but we also have dialogue between Gabby and Falco. And did you get the feeling that Falco was kind of reticent to get, reiner involved yeah during that whole thing yeah i think he literally said like i'm thinking we should keep reiner out of this isn't that what he said or something like that yeah yeah something along those lines and it could be an exact quote but if you were to dive into his psyche why do you think that would be the case like why was he pushing for reiner to stay out of it uh i would say one thing he's absolutely terrified and i feel like he just wants to get out of there and then number two, you get a flashback uh, in this episode where Aaron and Reiner are talking in the basement and Reiner's like pleading him to just like kill him. And so I feel like Falco just realizes that like Reiner just wants to die and he doesn't want anything to do with this. And so I feel like Re- or Falco could just be like, oh, Reiner's kind of a lost cause. Like he's not going to help us. Like what is he going to do? What what were your thoughts? You're probably right in the fact, like just because of the fact that he experienced Reiner have the most kind of like crazy PTSD and want to kill himself. And some, somebody that Zeke or not Zeke, but Falco looked up to as a leader and somebody who's like rock solid and reliable. I mean, it's even in the name like Braun, like he should be strong and durable and like sturdy. So it must be the thing that Zeke knows that Reiner would be having like this whole like nightmare of a time seeing all the scouts and having to fight them and having to fight Aaron and stuff like that. But obviously it gets to the point where it's bad enough that Marley needs anybody, you know, Zeke's out taken out. Um, the jaw's about to be taken out. Pike is barely alive. The, the Warhammer's done. Uh, their har- whole harbor and port, their whole you know naval fleet's taking out. And then Gabby and Falco start crying out to Reiner, and um, he really, you know, to his to his credit, he sticks to his guns and just says, "Dude, leave me alone. I just want to die." Um, but something happens and. We see at the very, very end of the episode, before Aaron bites down, 
we see Reiner show up and he's looking pretty sick, man. He's looking pretty dope. Yeah. What do you think about the look? Like, do you think this is just like a broken down Titan or like a new, new and improved armored Titan? So I think there's a few things that, that we know already that might make a difference in why we're seeing kind of a different looking armor Titan. Number one, it's been four years and you know, that could change a few things. And even in the fact where it's a subtle thing, but Aaron's eyes are a lot more different, like a Mm -hmm. lot different than when we started. So we do see physical changes in these Titans. Um, And then obviously with different people like Armin's colossal Titan, uh, I think looks a lot more proportionate and noticeably different. But another thing too, it's like Reiner has like formed into his Titan body almost in a really interesting way where it's like, I've never seen a torso down Titan situation. So it could be that. And then obviously he's in this like weird state of distress and things of that nature. So I think, you know, if I was going to be a cop out, have like a, you know, a cop out thing and not stick to one answer specifically and just give bits and pieces of somewhat reasonable information, I would say, all of those things combined would give the, you know, make it reasonable for Reiner to have such an interesting, you know, form now. But what are you thinking, Chris? Do you think it is any of the things that I said or something different? Uh, I would say, I don't know. Like, cause I feel like he, he looked very similar to like when in the first episode of this season, he looked almost the same as he did in the past uh, when we first saw him. So I, I feel like it could be along the lines of like being under distress and things like that. I mean, he looks pretty cool and I'm excited to see what happens, but I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Very odd. And I'm, I'm curious. I would love to see if there's any like functional things that's happened to his body and form Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. might make him a better fighter or anything like that. But of course, this is the part of the episode where we talk about what we expect next to happen. And Chris, I'm curious, man, what do we got next for next week? Oh, man, this is my favorite part. Uh, I think I think Reiner's going to die. I, there's going to be a battle between Reiner and Aaron. And Aaron, I think... Yeah, Aaron's gonna. I think Aaron's gonna take out Reiner. I don't know if he's gonna take his powers, but I think he's he's either gonna kill him or Reiner's just gonna be completely defeated and probably kill himself later on because he got beat by Aaron again. Um, also, I I feel like they're gonna get out, and then there may be some sort of I don't know argument with Aaron and the rest of the scouts. Uh, just because of like casualties and the way things played out. I feel like there could be something along those lines as well. Um, I'm really interested to see if we get a confirmation or not, if Zeke is actually dead. I mean, I guess uh, from the episode, I guess that scene of Levi throwing that grenade inside, inside of him and exploding could be confirmation, confirmation enough, but I feel like he's such an important character that, or he's been such an important character that they they wouldn't kill him off like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if they're going to escape on the blimp or not either. 
I'm really curious to see how that goes because now that Reiner's there and willing to fight, I don't know um, if that's going to be like enough time because like Kanji and everyone else has been saying is that that, like everything has to be spot on and everything has to be going as planned. Uh, So I think this is going to set them back a little bit and they're going to have to get kind of creative on how they're going to get out. Um, But that's, that's pretty much all I have. What about you? So I, I agree with a lot of things that you say, especially since kind of the, the little bit of a tease of the next episode. I absolutely believe that Reiner's going to get lit up. And I'm not sure if that means that also like, you know, that Gilliard is going to die and get eaten and Reiner is either. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mikasa got involved in this fight between Aaron and Reiner. Um, of course, just the fact that, you know, playing support and it wouldn't hurt. And I also know that Reiner's pretty fresh at this point, right? He hasn't done anything during this battle. So I'd be curious. I mean, I'm looking forward to that fight and then seeing what kind of happens to the rest of the Titan powers. I, I do believe that there's going to be some sort of like skirmish as well, just off the fact that there, there must be a lot of tension, especially for next steps too, because we know that there's, you know, it's like the art of war thing um, by Sun Tzu. One of the most dangerous things you could do is kind of leave an enemy alive to strike back later. So knowing Aaron, I wouldn't be surprised if he just said, no, nah, let's go back for round two in like 30 minutes and decimate them. Um, also, there's a lot of ramifications for the casualties he took. But once again, seeing that Armin did something the same I mean, a different way, but, you know, led to probably even more so. Um, I'd be curious to hear the the kind of the argument or conversation there. And then I'd be really, I'm looking forward to seeing like how they escape as well. Like a blimp, I don't think is something that could be built for long term. And also I'd be curious to see if they actually, you know, what if they like sneak off to a different country for the time being or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I know that it's going to be really interesting to see the next episode of Attack on Titan and even more interesting to have you guys here, to have Chris here to talk about it again this coming week. So once again, dude, thanks again, man. It's uh, it's always fun. And I feel like I repeat myself every week, but dude, it really is a blast. Yeah, I agree, man. Thank you again. Thank you guys for listening and all that good stuff too. Um, I'll be signing off, but Jordan, I'll let you close it out. All right, my man. So anyway, thank you guys for listening and thank you guys for interacting. Um, One thing, if you stay this far, we are putting these videos on YouTube now too and under the channel about cast. So if you're kind of feeling like, uh, you know, you're, you surf YouTube a lot more than the other podcasting platforms that you hear us on, then don't be afraid to reach out there and interact with us. Um, it'll be just another way that you guys can enjoy some about cast goodness. But anyway, I'll talk to you later and peace. Thank you.